the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It's Lifeline with Craig Roberts. He's the host of Northern California's longest-running conservative talk show. He's a man with a message, a conservative with compassion. He's Lifeline's own Craig Roberts. Yes, indeed he is, and he's here to say good afternoon to you. Welcome to this 21st day of June. Today is the longest day in the year, or so I'm told. We'll try not to make this the longest-sounding show. <laughs> Thank you of the year. And we do that by having lots of great, compelling guests and very important topics, all of which ultimately impact your life, your world, and your Christian walk. Okay, well, on today's program, lots to be talking about. We're going to do a little bit of a brief follow-up to our discussion from Tuesday, if you were with us for our live broadcast from Abundant Life Christian Fellowship, where we focused on the issue of a Christian worldview. What is it? Why do you need it? What do you do with it? Why is it important? How is it integral not only to Christian living, but also to Christian discipleship and outreach? Um, And we're going to be joined here later on in the first hour by Sam Rohrer. He is the president of the American Pastors Network to help answer the question, and again, sort of an extension of our discussion from Tuesday, dealing with the question of, are many churches today of the culture or in the culture? Remember that passage? What is it? I think in John, if I'm not mistaken, uh, that we are to be in the world and not of the world, right? Well, we're going to talk a bit about that today when Pastor Sam Rohrer joins us during the uh, program later on again in this uh, first hour. I want to begin tonight with an update on the status of Title X funding. This has sort of been a political football uh, for many years between multiple presidencies. I think one of the first presidents to uh, step forward and issue an executive order that said Title X funding will not go to provide abortion services was Ronald Reagan back in the early 1980s. And then it went through a number of reversals, and essentially virtually every subsequent Democrat reversed it and reinstated the funding for organizations like Planned Parenthood. And every subsequent uh, uh, Republican came in and took it back out. So as the ping pong continues, I guess the next serve is in the court of Donald Trump, who said, you know what, Uh uh-uh, we're not going to defund family planning services, but what we're going to say is this, that we are not going to allow Title X funding to support abortion facilities. We'll still fund family planning, but not directly to abortions. All right, let's get not only clarification on this policy, but an update as to where uh, the current battle for Title X stands. Joining us now is Brian Johnston. Brian is the Western Regional Director with the National Right to Life Committee. And Brian, as always, great to have you with us. Give us an update. First begin, if you would, for some folks that maybe find my explanation of Title X a bit vague. Give us some insight as to exactly what Title X is, its association with family planning, and more specifically, why it's tied in to using government dollars to pay for personal abortions in the first place. Yeah, well, that's a great point, 
Greg, one of the things that people don't realize, and yet everyone intuitively knows, is that the family planning funds uh, shouldn't be used to kill a baby. In other words, an abortion is, is not a form of family planning. Uh, what happens before a child is conceived may have moral significance. I, I believe it does. But it's still a qualitatively different issue than getting rid of the child once it's conceived. So abortion has never been viewed. In fact, even Planned Parenthood has stated in the past that abortion should not be considered a form of family planning. They actually had that in print years ago. But the average person that supports family planning does not consider abortion, human abortion, as an appropriate form of family planning. And so that's why the distinction has come into place in Title X uh, is the domestic program. Again, when we talk about the United States of America is the nation. It is great, and uh, Donald Trump wants to make it great again. But the United States of America impacts not just our nation, but the whole world. So Title X is the domestic version. The Mexico City policy, that's something as well, if you want to remember that, Ronald Reagan put that in place. That's the international funding through the United Nations of family planning, and there's millions upon millions going throughout the world. But under the Mexico City policy, which Donald Trump also supports, abortion should not be promoted as a form of family planning. All this requires, and it's what Planned Parenthood does, they have to make these distinctions. They have to watch their books, if you will. And in some ways, um, this is really a man. It's still fungible. They still get all the money they want, really. They're the ones that lobby for this. They get a lot of money to promote contraceptives, to promote uh, different ways of not conceiving a child. But there's a distinction between what happens be before conception and what you do with that child. And that's what Donald Trump has put back into place. You know, Craig, I, I in talking to Wanda, my plan was to talk about the assisted suicide measures, but I'm always glad to talk about anything related to protecting life. Well, I'm just going by what they tell me. Okay. <laughs> that yeah, said, well, though, that said, let's, let's pivot to the issue of assisted suicide, because this is also an issue, and you and I have a long history dealing with this topic, going back uh, not just many years, but many decades. This has been an up hill ongoing battle and and i've always you know i i've always been frustrated by even some of the titling we hear assisted suicide which you know in another definition might be called murder we hear things like death with dignity which has always made me wonder what it is about one of the you know, in addition to birth the second most natural act that happens to a human being is death what's undignified about dying i'm not quite certain but this this is an important and pivotal issue particularly particularly brian for those of us that are of the baby boomer generation as the grain of America begins to pick up pace. There's 10,000 of us reaching retirement age every single day. By the time it's all said and done, there will be 80 million retirees, many of whom receiving Social Security, Medicare, and later on in life reaching stages where some might argue that our 
quote-unquote serviceable life has expired and that we're no longer really contributing to society. We're more of a financial drain on the government, and therefore maybe we should too consider the notion of eliminating ourselves either through assisted suicide or whatever the means is. So this is a topic, Brian, that every person, not just people of faith, not just people who value life, but every person ought to be concerned with because it could be you someday that's approached by somebody from the government or somebody from a medical facility saying, you know, don't you think you've kind of done all you can and maybe it's time to make room for somebody else? It's shocking to even think that's the potential reality we face, but there we are. Well, exactly, Craig, and I think this is a good chance to remind people that these are the same issues. The issue of human abortion and the issue of, of assisted suicide slash euthanasia, because that's what assisted, it's a voluntary form of euthanasia. And what it is, the question is, should the law protect those that cannot protect themselves? And this is, yes, a Christian issue, but it actually predates Christianity. It is the guideline of Western civilization, that the purpose for having laws is to protect those that cannot protect themselves. If you have power, if you have money, if you have resources, you're going to protect yourself. But in society, the purpose of government, and this is what our founders reiterated, the purpose of government is not to hand out goodies, but rather to protect the rights that are inherent to the human beings that it governs. And it derives its just power from the lives of the governed. Human lives have value. They have inalienable rights. You have been given those rights to be alive by your God, not by your government. Your Creator made you a human being. It is always, whenever governments grow, and again, our founders knew this, and history knows that, the temptation is for the government to start controlling the lives themselves and getting rid of, quote, not useless or not wanted human beings. So the issue of abortion and the issue of euthanasia, of using medicine to intentionally kill, they're actually tied to that same issue, what is the right to life? And the right to life is actually a statement that says the duty of government is to protect those that can't protect themselves. That's why we have policemen, to protect those that may be vulnerable to being killed by others. So... Yes, this is important. It's important for Christians to understand that. Right now in California, uh, as of last Friday, the courts have ruled that, yes, assisted suicide is again legal in California. But there's something else going on besides this battle back and forth in the courts. There's another bill in the state legislature. Assembly Bill 282 says that third parties need to be protected when they encourage people to commit suicide. In other words, right now, Craig, if you feel real sick and you, you think you might be terminal and the doctor agrees, yeah, I think it could be terminal, you can ask that doctor to give you poison. That's not legal in California. What's not legal is I, as your friend, and maybe I'm an heir, or maybe I'm a family member, if I say, Craig, you know, it's, it's legal for you to kill yourself. And, Craig, you know what? You really should think about it. In fact, it's going to be painless. We love caring for you. We do. But you know what? It's going to be better for everyone if you're dead, and we'd appreciate it. And by the way, here are the resources. That is still illegal right now. So in the state Senate, on the floor of the state Senate, it's in what's known as third reading. I don't want to bore people, but what I want you to know is that your state senator 
is about to be asked to vote on this bill, which gives legal protection to those who encourage, promote, and facilitate the suicide. The third party. If you think about it, what is it, and you, you touched on this, Greg, assisted suicide isn't really suicide. What assisted suicide laws do is they protect the assistant. So the assistant now would be free to promote and encourage and facilitate somebody else being dead, and then they walk away from this intelligently, excuse me, intentionally mortal act. This is not letting someone die. This is not comforting them. This is lethally treating them. The assistant walks away. Right now, a doctor in California, a doctor can give poison. It will not be prosecuted. But interestingly enough, they didn't write the original bill to protect the third parties. And so they now have a bill, and all it says is that it is illegal in California. Right now in California, if someone's on the edge of a building in San Francisco thinking of jumping, and you shout, jump, 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 that's a felony in California because you're encouraging suicide. And the same is true for an heir or some friend or a nursing home staffer. If they say, hey, hey, Gladys, it'd be better if you'd be dead. It's going to be painless here. That's illegal, and it should be illegal. They're trying to clean that up. In the state Senate right now is Assembly Bill 282. That will magically protect those third-party people now. Again, they can be an heir. They can be someone that just wants that bed clear. So it's stunning. It's an admission. Having this bill in there is an admission that this is really a crime. And California still views it as a crime. If you were to go in San Francisco and, and cross the bridge and somebody says, you know, I'm going to jump the bridge, and you said, you know what, you should. Wait a second. I'll boost you over the rail. That's a crime in California, and it should be. But they want to make sure that if you're going to get money out of it, if you're an heir, if you're a family member, you won't even be looked into. That's the astounding thing about legalizing assisted suicide. So that bill is up right now, Assembly Bill 282. And you can go to your, you can go online, contact your legislator, just put that in the, in the search, and contact your state senator and let them know you do not want promoting of suicide. There's suicide. There's a contagion right now of suicide on many levels in our culture. This is absurd to legalize the promotion of suicide. And again, uh, I want to encourage you to, as Brian just suggested, go online, contact your representative. Now, this is the state level. Be clear about that. So when he refers to senators, we're talking about state senators, not Dianne Feinstein or Camilla Harris. And uh, so you go online, you determine a state senator in your district, and then urge he or she to please vote against Assembly Bill 282 that's making its way now through committee. Brian Johnston, Western Regional Director with the National Right to Life Committee. Brian, as always, we appreciate the update. 519, let's get you another update. This is a traffic sort, the latest with Brian uh, with uh, Michael Bennett in the KFAX Traffic Center. Michael? And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. Over the last many months, there has been a growing body of concern over the school shootings. Places like Columbine, Sandy Hook, Parkland, Marshall County 
The list seemingly continues to grow, and with it, concerns by parents, not just over whether or not the physical environment is a safe one for children to learn, but certainly Christian parents have known for a long time that while that's important, so too is the quality and safety of the academic, moral, and spiritual environment in which our children are educated. Joining me today in studio is Brian Rectin, and Brian is here to share some good news about an opportunity for parents all across the San Francisco Bay Area who've long dreamed about getting their child into a private school where they can make sure that not only is there a safe learning environment from a physical aspect, but also a safe learning environment from the academic, moral, and spiritual aspect. And Brian, at the end of the day, this half-off tuition program that KFAX has been running for a number of years now really helps parents accomplish just that. Yeah, it's very exciting, Craig. And actually, we're doing this for the seventh year. And uh, over 89 families have actually benefited from this, and they've enrolled their children, and they've taken advantage of these half-price vouchers. And the first thing that I usually hear from parents is, you know, when I tell them half-price, they say, what's the catch? Well, there really isn't a catch. This has uh, been working wonderfully. God is using it in, in mighty ways. Uh, for families that just think Christian school is out of their reach— We've partnered with now, uh, so far, uh, 16 schools this year, although schools continue to uh, come on board. But when we launch this, we'll have uh, at least 16 schools spread throughout the Bay Area that will be offering vouchers at half price. Now, the only catch really is that it's new families, families that are not currently enrolled, and they do limit it to one per family because they're trying to uh, bless as many families as possible. And and basically, the re-enrollment rate is nearly 90%. So what history has shown us over these uh, six years that we've completed this process is that once a family does enroll their child or children in a Christian school, the vast majority of them re-enroll. The proof is in the pudding. They get a chance to experience the difference in their child's attitude, in their sense of well-being. Certainly, uh, almost across the board, a marked improvement Mm -hmm. in their academic testing and scores. And, you know, that's attributable things like a a low student-teacher ratio in private schools, Bible-based education, the level of attention that the students receive. So I guess for the parents, they come in with this with sort of a, seems too good to be true, but let's put our toe in the water and, and, and test it. And lo and behold, it. they find that it is true. And you know what else they don't have to do? They don't have to debrief their kids every day when they come home from the government <laughs> yeah. schools. Yes, this is you true. know, what did you hear today? What did you learn today? And all the craziness, you know, with, with uh, you know, gender-neutral bathrooms and all the crazy stuff going on in the public school, they're finding that it's a breath of fresh air. They're actually looking forward to their children coming home from school to talk about what they learned that day. And it finally puts the parent, the child, the administration, the teacher, all on the same page, all pulling together for the well-being and best interest of the child. Now, this isn't to say that there aren't good public schools, because they are. But with so many agendas afoot at the state level, at the federal level, and as you mentioned, between the curriculum and some of the other policies, 
Parents have a lot to be concerned about as to whether or not what they're trying to instill in terms of biblical and moral values and academic standards in their child is being supported or countermanded Mm -hmm. in their scholastic experience. And the good news with a private Christian education is everybody's on the same page. Everybody. And you know, what I would encourage listeners, if you're hearing this and you're not, you've, you've never heard this before, you're new in the area, you just started listening to KFAX, I'd encourage you to go to our website kfax.com, click on any of the banners that are on the homepage that say back to school, and you'll see the list of schools. We put up a convenient map there where you're going to be able to see where all the pins are located, and you'll see everything there is to know about those schools, the website, some information on the school, what grades they're offering vouchers for, and if the two align with your your family, then I would encourage you to call – Uh, Call me. My number and my name will be there on that page. You can ask me any questions you want. You can go visit the school. You can take a tour. The thing you want to do, though, is you want to let them know immediately that you're you're trying to claim a KFAX voucher. Now, of course, these schools are very familiar with the voucher program. I want to talk for just a second, too, about the army of listeners that have heard about this, the 89 families that have already enrolled a child. And I'm going to ask if uh, I could solicit you all as ambassadors for this program. You've tasted and seen what this program has meant to your family. So I just encourage you to mention it to friends, mention it to coworkers, mention it to folks at church. Let them know about the program. A lot of people, uh, there are one or two people in the Bay Area that don't listen to KFAX. We know most of them do. But uh, this has been such a blessing. I could talk for hours and tell God stories of how this has changed lives. I, I, I don't have it in studio with me, but I just got an email from a mom from back in 2014 whose son is now graduating, going on to a very, very prestigious college. And she sent us an email just saying, it all started with the half-price voucher. I never dreamed I would be able to enroll my son in Christian school. Well, Four years later, he's graduating, and his life's been transformed. And it is an indisputable fact that because of the difference in the student-to-teacher ratio in private schools, the biblical-based standards, mm-hmm. um, the, the attention to scholastic excellence at every level, that SAT test scores are higher, Children that matriculate through K through 12 and then go on to two- and four-year colleges and universities is significantly higher. So at the end of the day, it's it's well worth the experience. Now, let's talk about um, a few of the housekeeping details. Again, more information available at kfax.com. Just look for the half-off tuition banner anywhere. Click on that. That'll take you to the map. You can find out what schools are available in your area. That list, as Brian mentioned, is growing daily. Again, at kfax.com. You can also get information in terms of the details of the program. So first-time families, one child per family. Uh, You do have to meet the school's individual scholastic entrance Requirements. Yeah, the school will still meet with the family. Um, but here's the good news is uh, even at half price, your funds are never at risk because if for any reason, and it's stated very clearly on our website, if for any reason you or the school doesn't go forward with the enrollment, you get a full and immediate refund. So your, your funds are never at risk. The important thing to know, though, is it, it is a first-come, first-served uh, opportunity here. Now, what if I go to the website, kfax.com, I click on the half-off tuition banner, I look at the list, I look at the map and go, wow, the school that I was hoping for is not there. I would encourage you to 
immediately call me. You'll see my name and number on that page. And let me contact the school and find out. It could be a school that for some one reason or another we didn't reach out to them or they had a change in superintendent or principal. Someone wasn't familiar with the program. We can explain it to them. You can even call them and say, you know, uh, are you familiar with the KFAX voucher program? Because I don't see your school listed on the website. Every year we do get schools that come to us because a parent requested that they consider the half price voucher. So if you don't see the school in your neighborhood that you're familiar with, yeah, don't don't think that there's no opportunity because there is. And again, complete details available at kfax.com. That's kfax.com. You can also call toll-free to pose questions, how many vouchers are still available, details of this sort, anything that might be unique to your circumstance. Uh, simply call toll-free 800-947-KFAX. That's 800 800- Nine four seven five three two nine. We'll be happy to answer any of your questions. Again, as Brian points out, this is on a first come, first serve basis. So the early bird catches the worm. We invite you to go online today to kfax.com. Check out the half off tuition page. And then again, if you have any questions or to redeem your voucher, call toll free 800 947 5329. That's 800 947 KFAX. At the end of the day, when it comes to rearing our child and giving them the tools they need for their not only scholastic future, but quite frankly, for their adulthood, we really only get one chance to do it right. So don't hesitate. Get more information. Go online today, kfax.com, or call toll-free 800-947-5329. That's 800-947-KFAX. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. Welcome back. We are here at 535 on this Thursday edition of Lifeline, the 21st of June, longest day of the year. Look at that. We'll find out by midnight, right, or whenever the, whenever the sun goes down. If you were with us for Tuesday's program, you know that we have begun a series looking at the question of the Christian worldview. What is it? Why it is important? What you do with it once you've developed one? Why it's necessary for Christian living? And I think this, this sort of touches on the, the, the broader question as we look at the Christian worldview juxtaposed against a secular worldview or a worldview that is void of the guidance of the Bible, and then naturally leading us to the bigger question of the church itself, uh, not as an organism or an organization, but rather as we, the church, and the question of we as the church, what is our role in society around us, the culture more specifically, and is the church today, particularly in the West, more of the culture or in the culture? Think of John 17, where we as believers are called to be not of the world, but in the world, but certainly not of it. Let's talk about this topic for a moment. We're joined by Sam Rohr, president of the American Pastors Network. Sam writes and produces a nationally syndicated weekly radio program, Stand in the Gap, heard on stations across the country. And as always, Pastor Rohr, great to have you on the program. Uh, Craig, it's always a pleasure to be with you, and uh, it is tonight as well. In this day and age when we are dealing with uh, postmodernism, or I I think um, Francis Schaeffer more accurately talked about uh, uh, post-Christianity phase of 
history. I suppose this question of whether or not the church is of the culture or in the culture um, is a, a very critical one, and, and one that increasingly I think the church is having challenges trying to face and trying to answer. Well, I, I think it does, and I think you, you, need, you need to ask me what I, what I thought about the church in America, but I think clearly the church in America is absolutely uh, of the culture, and it's not standing apart from the culture. Uh, I, I think the concept of us being salt and light as Christian people understanding that while we may be citizens of this earthly nation, the United States of America, we are, if true believers, citizens of a heavenly kingdom. And we're here as ambassadors for Jesus Christ, a king of another country. That concept, which really is was uh, uh, all through Scripture and so critically important, if we're going to understand why we can be in the culture but not of it, we have to understand that we are of a heavenly kingdom, but we're also citizens of this one. And uh, I don't believe that uh, modern Christianity understands that, and I don't believe it's taught very much from the pulpit. And of course, you know, the whole notion of the church or we as believers being um, the called out ones, meaning the ones that are separate from, you think this, that distinctiveness, um, is not because we're somehow haughty or, or better than others, but because we have entered into a personal relationship with Jesus Christ as a result of nothing we did, but in fact because of his sacrificial work on the cross, and then in doing so, and having been forgiven of our sins and redeemed and washed of the blood, we are now then, for therefore, the called out ones. And yet, I think perhaps one of the big challenges in the church failing to grasp the totality of what that means and how it is that we should be in the world and not of the world is perhaps because of a growing degree of ignorance over Scripture. I find it fascinating, maybe you can comment on this, Pastor Rohr, the number of believers today that could not recite for you, let alone have any basic level of comprehension of, of what historically was known as the, the, uh, the five solas, uh, sola scriptura, or only scripture, solo fide, or only faith, solo gratia, or only grace, solo Cristo, or only Christ, and of course, finally, soli dio gloria, or only glory to God. And, and th- those five key principles of Christianity is what it means to be called out ones, is what it means to be in the world but not of the world, but sadly, largely, a growing body of the Christ, uh, or mem- growing members of the body of Christ, this point is completely lost on. Well, I believe it is, you know, and I think we maybe have talked about it in the program before, but when I consider such uh, recent research as uh, some that uh, George Barn and the American Culture and Faith Institute have done, and we've covered it on our program, uh, when, you, when you realize that 74 percent of those identified in America, uh, Americans generally, identify themselves as Christians. I've got that 74%. You say, wow, isn't that a fantastic thing? But the next question is, do we see any evidence of it? And when you walk down through and further delineate, it drops down to about 30% who would say that they have have had a relationship with Jesus Christ of some type. But then when you break that group, that qualified group, that 30% down even further, you know, when you run into numbers of 50 and 55% of that number, of that qualified number, who don't even believe that Jesus Christ lived a 
totally sinless human life. Uh, don't, don't believe that the Holy Spirit is actually a real person, or that the devil is a real person. Then you begin to say, what in the world do we have? And really what we have is when all of that is said and done, you're talking about maybe 7 to 8 to 9 percent of those who say, I am Christian, I am a Christian, actually manifest a true understanding of who Jesus Christ is and true faith in Jesus Christ alone and believe in the authority of Scripture, which are all critical if one's going to be truly born again. So we have a culture that is Christian-like, but is not biblical Christianity, and that would make sense when you see those numbers and you look around in a culture that would say there's 74 percent, but we say, where's the light? Where's the salt? In reality, there's not that much salt and light. And I hold that a lot uh, at the feet of uh, many who are in the pulpits, who are giving messages many times that are that are pleasing to the ears, that are wanting people to leave feeling good about themselves, rather than understanding what God says about uh, life, but they, but but all being sinners and all being need in need of uh, redemption through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. Uh, that is what we're missing, and if that's not there, we won't have a culture, and we won't have people, even though they say they're Christians. They won't know what it is, and they're not acting like it. And that's what those numbers indicate. It's very, very significant. Is this quickly, in your opinion, Pastor Rohr, is this quickly becoming an emaciated church, an ineffective church, as a result of, as I've suggested, not only a growing degree of of ignorance of the basics, but quite frankly, uh, what seems to be a growing number of uh, pulpits and uh, denominations even within mainline Christendom that, if not uh, denying the inerrancy of Scripture, that certainly wish to, uh, to question it, leading to what appears to be a widening gap between the historical understanding of Scripture and Christianity versus more of this um, feel-good approach to it that seems to be uh, theology more along the lines of what might be taught by, uh, you know, uh, any, any, any given uh, life coach uh, that's out there trying to just make people feel good. It, it is, and that's what I think of the Scripture talks about, having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof. And when you have numbers, and the numbers are a number of polls, Pew has done research, uh, so is George, uh, George Marna, but numbers that would be in the 70% range that say that it's not, that faith is important, but not which faith? Now think about that. Faith is important, but not which faith? That's not critical. And that goes to the heart of what you're saying. It's a form of godliness but it denies the power of the Holy Spirit of, God, of Jesus Christ himself. It, I believe, really, Craig, that when I look at Scripture, and I go to Revelation chapter 3, and I look at how Christ is describing the churches, I go to the church of Laodicea. Laodicea was a church that felt good. They were a wealthy church. They were a secure church. And Christ said to them, you don't understand that you are blind that you are naked, that you are destitute. And he said, buy from me ISAP so I can put it on your eyes so that you can see your condition. I believe that really describes well the church in America today, by and large, that we're trusting in other things, not Jesus Christ, and we feel great about ourselves, as these numbers would indicate, 
but we're denying the power of God himself. And uh, Christ says, you need, to, you need to wake up and get some ISAB from me so you can see what's going on. That, and I believe, is where we are right now in America. And particularly troubling in the sense that uh, we're hearing more and more people, and I'm certainly hearing these reports uh, into our program, that growing numbers, and again, I want to be careful to delineate that this is not a blanket uh, accusation against all churches, all pastors, all pulpits, anything but that is the truth. But there nevertheless, and the Barna research, as Sam Rohrer points out, is pointing to this, a growing number of churches where, quite frankly, what comes from the pulpit on Sunday morning sounds more like a TED Talk than anything else. And when you can't find a distinction, and now I will go to meddling here for just one second, if you can't find a distinction between the preaching of Joel Osteen and the motivational talks of Anthony Robbins, then there is something seriously wrong. We'll take a time out, get you updated on traffic. Back to more of our conversation with Pastor Sam Rohrer, right after we get a look at traffic, Michael Bennett provides that from the KFAX Traffic Center. Michael? And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. Back to our conversation, kind of an extension of our special broadcast on Tuesday, dealing with the question of Christian worldview. What is it? Why is it important? How do you develop one? How do you implement it in your life and as an integral part of who you are as a believer and certainly a key too to your public testimony and discipleship. We're visiting today with Pastor Sam Rohrer. He is the president of the American Pastors Network. You can get more information, by the way, on Pastor Rohrer's work online at AmericanPastorsNetwork.net. That's AmericanPastorsNetwork.net. Clearly, we are living in postmodern times, and I have to wonder how much of this shift, this paradigm shift, Pastor Rohr, in in our thinking um, and our culture has begun to bleed over into the church, where, as you suggest, it's more of a question of the culture influencing the church instead of the other way around, which is the way it's supposed to be. And I ask this question because we seem to find a growing mountain of evidence, um, certainly held up by the Barna research, that suggests more and more people seem to be seeking after experience over reason, subjectivity over objectivity, Certainly, spirituality over theology, biblical ignorance is demonstrative of that, and a push of the importance of feelings over truth. I agree, and I think that that's a, that's a description, uh, Craig, of uh, of a of a church that, uh, as we're talking about, is a is a Laodicean uh, church that feels good, but is without substance. And, uh, and, and that is a most serious matter, and of course, we're talking about that here right now. What, you know, what, how did we get here? You know, and we can talk about that. I'm sure you have already done it, but, uh, and how do we get back? Can we get back as a culture? And I often ask myself that question, you know, nations go in cycles. Uh, uh, it's, uh, we have a challenge before us in this nation, and it should grip us to the heart, in that when I look at history, I look at the nation of Israel, a nation that once, having known the God of heaven, having once experienced the blessings of the God of heaven, who once embraced 
in their laws and in their minds and in their culture, the God of heaven. Our nation was that nation, that shining city on a hill. Our Constitution, our laws, built on the Ten Commandments, God's law, it was that. But when a nation like Israel, and God told them in Deuteronomy chapter 1, when I take you to that land and I bless you and I give you goodly houses and your herds increase and your wealth increases and, and you're secure from your enemies, sounds like America, when you get to that point... And then you begin to think that you got this stuff by yourself, and you factor me out of the equation. God says, at that point, at that point, I will judge you as a nation, just like I did the enemies before you. And the difference with Israel was God had a covenant with them, and even though they walked away, he brought them back because of his namesake. And then we see that happening even in Israel today. But other nations are not that way. We don't have a license as a nation, a guarantee to live forever as a nation. And we have to look and say, God is the continuer of nations. God is the blesser of nations. Or are we doing those things that can assure his blessing? And the answer is, no, we are not. We've killed the unborn. We've taken God's law, and through our courts, our institutions of law, defined marriage to be something other than what God says, to define human sexuality to be something other than what God says. We've thrown out the Ten Commandments, God's law, and say, do your own thing. We've thrown out prayer for over a generation. I mean, really, truly, can we, as God's people, say, hmm, God is pleased with us? I mean, really, truly, God's people, the remnant, are the ones who understand what I'm talking about, and I believe that the remnant, God is quickening in America, but we must do things that are of urgency, and the pulpits, we believe, as Pastors Network, must lead the way, because it's the preaching of the Word of God that changes hearts. And if the pulpits are silent, therefore the truth that goes out will also be diminished. And so it's all tied in. God's laid it out. He's made it clear. Uh, and uh, the recipe for blessing is there, but also the warning for judgment is also there. We're pretending as if it doesn't exist, but God has not changed. And, of course, the utter irony behind all of this, it's easy for uh, some casual observers to uh, click their tongues and say, oh, yes, Pastor Sam, you're absolutely right. It's terrible what's happening in the world and entertainment and media and on and on the list goes. And then we have to pause and take a few steps back and realize, well, wait a minute, though. Mm -hmm. Judgment begins against the evil ones, against the... No, the Bible says judgment begins in the house of the Lord. It may go further beyond that, and certainly will and does, but it begins in the house of the Lord. Second Chronicles 7.14, that passage of Scripture used, perhaps uh, overused and abused, going back 30-something, 40-something years in great rallies during the National Day of Prayer, and we would gather together, and we'd pray for the nation, and we'd read that passage of Scripture, and you know, to uh, repent of your wicked ways and so forth, and we'd say, yeah, that's right, boy, the sinful people need to repent, and not fully, totally reaching, or reading, rather, that scripture to understand that that passage is not talking about the unsaved, it's talking about the saved. It's talking about the redeemed ones who are not acting like it. So I guess then the the big question is, how do we avoid very judgment in the house of the Lord in dealing with this issue? What is the message here, in your opinion, Pastor Sam, to the church? Well, I think the message is that maybe the cure perhaps is this, is that those who are listening, those, those in the pulpit, as well as those in your pew, who claim to know Jesus Christ, when we look in the mirror every morning, we must ask ourselves, 
in whom am I trusting today? You know, the sin of Israel in Second Chronicles 17 was all about one thing, and it was that the nation had become idolaters. They had turned from the worship and dependence of the God of heaven onto the things that made by man's hand, things given to them by God, but things, and it was idolatry. God judged because of idolatry. That, I believe, is what Americans must consider right now. In whom do I trust? If I lose my bank account, does my faith, does my faith in God waver? Um, where am I trusting? In whom am I trusting? That is where the, God's people, Second Chronicles seven fourteen. that is the starting point for it. We've got to return. Those who know the Lord must return to Him in full dependence. And uh, that, is our, that is our way out. God will always hear that prayer, but we can't keep putting it off. And uh, I think that is a an important note to end on because I don't I want to leave that as the as sort of the lingering thought in your mind. No, we can't keep putting it off. Pastor Sam Rohr, president of the pa- American Pastors Network, thanks so much for being with us on this segment of Lifeline. All right, we're going to as you ponder that, get ready for a look at traffic, but just before we do that, I'm being informed by the official prize giveaway department from KFAX that uh, we need to tell you this. In my best radio announcer's voice, allergies season notwithstanding, the Alameda County Fair in Pleasanton hosts its annual Feed the Need food drive. Feed the Needy, I guess it means to say. This is Feed the Need, okay. Feed the Need food drive presented by Lucky California Stores coming up on Wednesday, June the 27th. You're invited to bring four non-perishable food items to the fairgrounds between 11 a.m. and 5 p.m. You'll get free admission and $1 carnival rides. Your donations benefit the Alameda County Community Food Bank, serving tens of thousands of local residents throughout the county each week. For more information, visit Alameda County Fair. Dot com. We've got two sets of family four-packs going out right now to callers number 11 and 12, the 888 The Alameda County Fair going on now through the... They keep changing the papers, Craig. <laughs> July 8th. Is it, do we have that on good authority? Jarrell says July 8th, and... Uh, he, he rarely stretches the truth, so, <laughs> so we'll go with that. All right, now through July 8th, and tickets going out to callers number 11 and 12. Enjoy the family, family four-pack of tickets to enjoy the Alameda County Fair when you dial this number, 888-367-5329. That's familiar, doesn't that ring familiar? That's 888-F-O-R-K-F-A-X, triple eight. Three six seven five three two nine callers eleven and twelve win a family four pack of tickets to enjoy the Alameda County Fair. Good any time between now and July eighth. We have it on good authority. Triple eight F O R K F A X eight 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 three six seven five three two nine. That's triple eight F O R K F A X. Call now. I was waiting for the uh, trumpet to blow. Thank you. Let's get a look at traffic right now, shall we? Why not? Michael Bennett's got the latest in the KFAX Traffic Center. Michael? 
three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.